Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 22nd of August 2010, entitled Seeking Association with God, and the Bible reading is Psalm 15. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. Okay, well, it's lovely to be uh, here this morning with you all, and uh, especially in the pulpit. What a privilege uh, it is to be uh, in this place again. And I think it was Wednesday when I, uh, I offered to preach for the pastor this morning. So I've had two days, really. I've had Thursday and Friday. And usually when I do my sermons, I usually do them in my cab while I'm working. If I find five or ten minutes to stop, I usually jot down a few, few scriptures. <clears throat> and uh, that's how I've done it this week. Um, so hopefully, uh, you know, what God has given to me this, uh, this week will, uh, will be a blessing. It's his word, so it's, it's going to be a blessing. We're going to be blessed by his word. And um, if you'd like to turn to uh, Psalm 15, please. And uh, while you're turning there, I'd just like to thank those that um, helped yesterday, the adults with the, uh, the, Sunday, school, the, the Sunday school trip. And uh, we had a great time. We really did. And uh, we've got many photographs, so once we get those um, developed, and uh, I'm sure you're going to have a good laugh, especially at me. Oh, yes. But hopefully those, uh, those photographs you, you, you'll be able to delete before, uh, before they come in here. But, uh, yeah, we had a great time, and uh, we, were, we were able to dress up in different costumes. I think I had the peasant's costume, or Chris did, one, one of the two of us. But, um, you know, we're not peasants in God's eyes, are we? You know, we're his saints, and uh, very uh, grateful for that. Okay, well, I'd like to uh, preach um, a short message this morning, and it's basically about association with God. And um, if maybe we can um, just uh, stand for the reading of God's Word. I'd like to start in verse 1, Psalm 15. And um, <clears throat> this uh, psalm is attributed to King David. Verse 1 starts... Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. Then it says, verse 5, He that doeth these things shall never be moved. Please be seated. According to Job, man's uh, main aim while he's living here upon this earth it's to seek an association. It's to seek a connection and a union with God. Let me just read Job chapter 23 and verse 3. And Job also, just like King David, he asks two questions. The first one he says, Oh, that I knew where I might find him. And then he says that I might come even to his seat. Sorry, it's not a question. But it's a statement. Verse 3 again. All that I knew where I might find him. And secondly, that I might come even to his seat. And I wonder, is that 
the cry of our hearts this morning. Maybe you are here this morning for the first time. Maybe you have been here, maybe for many, many times. I wonder, is that a cry within your heart this morning? Oh, that I knew where I might find him. That I might come even to his seat. That I might have that association with God. That I might have that union with the God that's created me. Do you have that this morning inside your heart? Maybe you're a Christian here this morning. Maybe your love has grown cold for the Savior. Maybe you don't have that desire. Maybe you don't have that that Job had in his heart and that this psalmist says, asking these two questions, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle and who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Find an association with God. You know, as Christians, we know that there is only one place where we can find association with God. There is only one place where it starts, and that is at the cross. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 14 and verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. If we want an association with the Creator God, you can't bypass the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no way. You have to come, first of all, to the cross. Jesus, we've been thinking about him this morning in the adult Sunday school. He is the Word of God. He is the door. He is the, the, the entrance whereby we must enter if we're going to have any association with our Creator God. Not only that, but the Bible says that we need reconciliation. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 16. Ephesians 2 and verse 16. says this, and it's in the context of the cross, and he says, and that he, the Lord Jesus, might reconcile both unto God in one body, how? By the cross, having slain the enmity, the hatred thereby. And he's saying here that there's only one way that we can be reconciled to God. He's speaking about the Jews and the Gentiles, but there's only one way that we are ever going to be reconciled to God and that is through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Different religions might try to find a way. Man's wisdom may try to find a way. But unless you go by the cross, you do not have any association with God. You do not know God. It's through the cross or forget it. There is no way. I wonder, have you found yet that association with God? Have you? If you haven't, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today, not tomorrow. Today is the day that you can know him and have that union with your creator God. Wonderful. Have you got that association with him yet? You know that it's possible to associate yourself with this church for many, many years. It's, imposs- it's, it's possible for you to associate yourself with church activity and never have association with God himself. Oh, yes. Let me read you a few verses. Matthew chapter 7 
And the Lord Jesus Christ made it very clear. And you know, there are going to be a lot of people one day, many, the Bible says, that are going to think that they were associating with God, but they were not. They were only associating themselves with activities, church activities. Let's just read Matthew 7 and verse 21. And the Lord Jesus Christ says here, he says, sorry, not verse 21. Uh, verse 20, um, oh, sorry, yeah, chapter 7, verse 21. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And then it says, But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, verse 22, open your ears to this verse, please. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? See, they're doing church activities here. And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You see, there are people inside church this morning, around this country, that are doing church activities, that are busy casting out demons, apparently, that are doing works, okay? So busy but they do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. They have never associated to themselves with God. They've never been born again. And Jesus says here that one day there's going to be many, many people before him on that great white throne judgment day. They're going to be saying, Lord, we did this and we did that in your name. And Jesus is going to be saying to them, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. They never associated themselves with God because they never came through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, let's just turn back to Psalm 15. Psalm 15 tells us here how we are to maintain our association once we have found it, once we have come to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like a manual. Wonderful. And if we're to find it, if we're to find that association, it's through the cross, but if we're to maintain it, it's going to be through at least these three verses that we're going to look at here this morning. And um, I want us to notice three areas of attention that are needed for us to maintain if we're to associate with God himself. And the first one we see in verse 1, sorry, in verse 2. He says, he that walketh up rightly. He that walketh up rightly. Notice that it doesn't say here, he that has a carefree walk. Notice there that it doesn't say he that has a lazy walk or a sit down walk or a turn around and turn around and turn around and go back and come back walk. No. It says here, he that, hath, he that walketh up rightly. Oh yes. God is holy. God is holy. And he wants us to be holy. The Bible says, be ye holy, for I am holy. And he wants us to have an upright walk before him. What does it mean to walk uprightly? Well, it basically means without blemish. It means complete. It means undefiled in the way. Now, we know that... We're never going to have a perfect walk all the time, 100%. 
But the Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. And when we do fall, and we do, we need to get back to the cross. We need to get back to the Lord Jesus Christ and get it under the blood. Forgiveness. And get that fellowship back with the, with the Lord. Oh, it's wonderful. He that walketh up rightly. You know, a Christian's walk should be different. If it's not, then we need to start asking some questions. Let's just have a look at a few verses. Ephesians chapter 2, and what a, what a wonderful uh, chapter, uh, chapter 2 is. Ephesians, and um, we read in verse 1 and verse 2, and this is our situation before we ever came to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, and you hath he quickened, is made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's when we were non-Christians. Where in time past ye walked, according to the course of this world, and we did. That's how we walked. We walked in the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were thinking about that on Wednesday night, weren't we, as Chris was bringing the word. And he says, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And you know, if you're not a Christian here this morning, I'm sorry about this, it might sound not very pleasant, but the Bible says that you are a child of wrath. The Bible says that God's wrath abides upon you right now. And the only way that you'll have that wrath taken away is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would you go out of those doors this morning and have that wrath of God upon you, whoever you are? Why? The Bible says that when we are quickened and we're made alive in Jesus Christ, then our walk should be different. We don't walk according to the course of this world. We're on a different path. We're on a different path. The Bible calls it the highway of holiness. And do you know that that walk can start at any time? We have young children here this morning right in front of us. We've had children that know the gospel. We have children here this morning that know what sin is. If I asked them to quote 1 John chapter 4 and verse, sorry, 1 John chapter um, or 3 and verse 4, they could do it like that. But you know, it's not about knowing the Scriptures. It's not about all knowing them, but it's about applying them to your life and to your sins. The Bible says, he that committeth sin transgresseth the law. Okay? And um, so let's just turn to Mark chapter 10. And I'd just like to speak here this morning to the young children. Okay, and if you're an older child, if you're a, a, a young person this morning in your teens, please have a look at these verses. Mark chapter 10. And we see here as the children, the young people, we've been brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read Mark chapter 10 and verse 13. And it says, and they brought young children to him. Who were they? Well, I believe it could have been the parents. And it says that he should touch them 
And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me. What does that word suffer mean? It means don't stop them. Don't prevent them. Allow them to come. And he says, And forbid them not, for as such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter in. And that's why many people are not entering in today is because they can't humble themselves before a holy God and become like a child. But the Bible here is speaking to children and he's saying that he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them and blessed them. So Jesus is saying here, don't prevent the little children to come. He says, suffer the little children, let them come to me. And if you're a child here this morning, you need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you need to come today. You don't have tomorrow. You don't have your next birthday. It's today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And that doesn't just mean the adults. It's talking to you children. And you children here this morning, many of you, you, you know the gospel. You know what sin is. You know that you are a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The only way that you're going to make the glory one day is to get your sin taken away through Jesus Christ. And you can do that today through a short prayer. You know, the children know the ABC, ask Jesus for forgiveness. B, believe that he died on the cross. And C, what's C, Andrew? Come into our, invite the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart. And if you can do this this morning, yeah, and mean it with all of your hearts in prayer to God, you will become a Christian. You will become one of his children. Wonderful. But you know, it not only applies to the children, but it applies to the adults and it also applies to the older adults as well. Let me just turn a scripture to you this morning concerning the 65-year-olds. Have we got any 65 or above this morning? Just turn to Genesis. Pardon? You're not that, you're not, you haven't quite reached that age yet, have you? Okay, chapter uh, 5 of Genesis and uh, verse 21. And this is all about um, a man called Enoch. And I suppose in those days, Enoch, he was, he was a young man, Okay. But we can apply it to today, 65. Um, you know, 65 is in the, uh, what do they call it, the autumn of life, maturity. Let's have a look what it says here. And it says in verse 21, And Enoch, he lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. That's when he had um, his first child at 65. And Enoch, what does it say next? Walked with God after he begat Methuselah, 300 years and begat sons and daughters. So it seems here that after he had his first son, Methuselah, was when he began his walk, okay? And at 65, and it says that he continued 300 years, and in verse 23, and all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. <clears throat> So we can see here that even at 65 years old, you can still walk with God. You can start your walk at 65. Don't think that you're over the hill. Don't listen to that. You might be over the hill to run 90 minutes in a football game, but believe me, the Bible says you're not over the hill to become a Christian and to start that walk with God. The Bible says that Enoch 
walked with God and he pleased God. And that's what you can do this morning. Don't tell us that you're over, that you're too old. It's not true. Even if you're on your deathbed and you can understand the gospel message, there's still hope for you. But believe me, the Bible says that God's spirit will not strive with man. It will not. And if you continually and continually reject the gospel message, there may just come an op- a time where that opportunity may not come again. But it's here this morning, and if you're 65 or if you're a young child, you can become a Christian today. Don't delay. Today is the day. Wonderful. And let's just have a look at a few promises that God's word gives to those that are walking with him. Psalm 84 and verse 11. And here we have a wonderful promise. And you know, just before I got married, this is one of the prayers that I used to remind God of because the Bible says that no good thing shall he withhold from him who's walked, uh, from him who walks with, with him. I'll have to have a look at that verse again. But it's basically, um, that's what it says. Uh, Psalm 84, and um, let's uh, just have a quick look at uh, verse 11. And it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. And then he says, No good thing will he withhold from them that walk, uh, that walk uprightly. There's a promise there. The Bible says, No good thing. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And the Bible says that he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. And you know, that's one of the promises that I reminded God of before I was married. And he blessed me with the best wife that any man could have. Um, But there's a promise here for provision. Provision. And we all need that provision from God. And he promises it to you. And if you are walking uprightly before God, this is a promise that you can hold. Wonderful. Psalm 112, we have here a promise that God will give us light. You know, when we're in darkness, when we don't have that understanding that we need, when we don't know which way to turn, the Bible says that he will give us light, but we need to be walking with him. Psalm 112 and verse 4 says, Unto the upright there ariseth, what? Light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Oh, what a wonderful promise that he gives to you this morning. You're a Christian. You're walking. You're not walking properly. Or you maybe a born-again Christian and you need that light of his spirit. God promises you that he will give it if we're walking with him. It's wonderful. Communion. 1 John chapter 1. And verse 7, and we see here the promise of association with our Creator God. If we are walking with him, it's called fellowship. We can't have fellowship properly if we are walking in darkness. The Bible says, 1 John 1 verse 7, he says, But if we, talking to Christians, walk in the light as he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. You see, there is something that needs to be done. If we are to have fellowship one with another, 
with our Creator God. The Bible says that we need to be walking in the light. God doesn't abide in spiritual darkness. He hates it. God is a holy God. And he wants that sin under the blood. Forgiveness. Cleansing. And he wants us to have fellowship and association. And the Bible says here that if we're walking in the light, as he is in the light, and it says that we have fellowship. Not we will, we have it. Present tense, wonderful. Somebody once said that only a careful choice of the path that we tread will fit us for fellowship with God. Um, I wonder this morning, can I ask the question, how is your walk with God? How is it? Only you can answer that. Only I can answer that for myself. How is our walk today? How is our association with him? Not only do we need to pay attention to our walk, but secondly to our words. Psalm 15 and verse 2. Psalm 15 verse 2. He says, He that walketh uprightly, and the next we see, and worketh righteousness. Working righteousness will be a fruit. It will be a sign of the new birth. If we are saying that we are Christians and we are walking in darkness, we're going to have a look at a verse in a few moments, but it says that we are liars. We're walking in darkness. If you say this morning that you love the Lord Jesus Christ, but you go out of those doors and you start robbing people and you start beating people and you start backbiting against people all the time and you're saying you're a Christian, my Bible says here, and we're going to have a look at the verse, it says that you're a liar. It says, I'm a liar. We're walking in darkness. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. He's a holy God. It's a sign of a new birth. And if we have been born again, we are walking on a new direction. We're walking a new path. And we are going to work righteousness. It's going to be a fruit. Galatians 5.22 speaks about the fruits of the Spirit. The pastor's been preaching about that week after week. Let's just have a look at a couple of verses. But 1 John chapter 2 and verse 29. And these Few words may be uncomfortable, but you know, the Bible was never written to be comfortable. It was to correct us and to lead us in the truth. 1 John 2 and verse 29 says this. He says that if ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Friends, there are different works that we will be doing. We won't be doing the same works that we used to do when we were non-Christians. We won't be going to the same places that we used to go. We'll be having, there'll be different works. And if there isn't, we're going to have a look in a few moments at a scripture that says that we need to examine ourselves. We need to see, we need to, we need to examine whether we're in the faith, whether we're walking with him. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 speaks here about working righteous works. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse, verse 5. 
And uh, here we see the examination that each and every one of us needs to do. And we need to do it regularly. Verse 5 says, examine yourselves. You remember he's speaking here to the Corinthians, the Christians. Whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Then he says, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. So we need to examine ourselves. We know that when we come to the communion table, this is not the only time that we're to examine ourselves. This is not the only time that we're to look inside and to see whether we are working righteous works, whether we're walking with the Lord. We need to do that before we come to church. We need to do it every day. We need to make short, short accounts with God. Keep short accounts with him. Otherwise, that sin's going to be easier to do the next time. And as the pastor keeps saying, that we'll be desensitized to it. We're going to be hardened to sin. It's going to be easier to do it again. Let's nip it in the bud by the Holy Spirit. But we need to examine ourselves. And maybe there's a few here this morning that are not Christians. And what I'm preaching here, this is all new. The Bible says, examine yourselves. Are you in the faith? Are you saying on one hand you're a Christian, but on the other hand, your life is completely the opposite? The Bible says, examine yourselves. If you're a Christian here this morning, you're walking away from the Lord. Galatians 5 verse 22. If we're not walking with him, we're not working righteousness, examine yourselves. Get back with him. Confess whatever needs to be confessed. And the Bible says also that if we're to have fellowship with him and to work righteousness, the Bible says that one of the fruits will be that we have a love for his commandments. Oh, yes. Don't, don't think that when the Lord Jesus Christ came, he came to abolish the commandments of God. They're fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're to walk in his commandments. And if you are born again, that's exactly what the fruit of the, the that's exactly what the, the, the Holy Spirit will do. He will lead you to walk in his ways and to obey his word. Let's have a look. 1 John 2 and verse 3. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3. And he says here, And hereby we do know that we know him. This is one of the ways that you can know if you are a born-again Christian here this morning. And he says, If we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is what? A liar. And the truth is what? Not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him, and that he, and, and he that saith he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. We need to examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith or whether we be reprobates. Do we have a love for the word of God? Do we have a love for his commandments? Yeah, we do fail the Lord sometimes, but thank God for the blood. There is a place where we can go. There is a fountain, the Lord Jesus Christ. The doers of righteousness, the Bible says, 
will be the ones that are just before God. James chapter 1, not too many books back. James chapter 1, you've got Peter, and then one book back, <clears throat> a couple of books of Peter, and then you've got James. And we see chapter um, 1 and verse 22, and he says here, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself in the glass, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Okay? So the Bible here is saying, in verse 22, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. Not readers only. Not coming to churches only. Not teachers only. He says, but doers. We are to do his word. We are to do what he commands us. And you know, there's a wonderful promise of a future kingdom. And it depends upon those that do righteousness. Let's have a look. Matthew 7 and verse 21. Matthew 7 and verse 21. And we've, uh, we did have a quick look at that verse a few moments ago, but let's just um, <clears throat> look at it once again. Verse, uh, chapter 7 and verse 21. And we read, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Not the hearers only, but it's the doers. God makes that very, very clear. You know, the Bible says that one day that our works will be judged. If we are a Christian here this morning, don't think that we will not be accountable in any way. We are accountable. You know, there are many things that have gone on down church history since people have become born again that, that, that there needs to be a reckoning. Yes, there are. And God will reckon one day. He's not going to condemn us to hell. Thank God that we have had our sins judged already, but we're going to have our works judged. And that should sober us up this morning. We should be reminded that we are to work righteous works before God, to doeth those things. And um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 13. And uh, it says here that our works are going to be judged by the fire one day. Not the fires of hell. Um, let's just have a look. In verse 13, it says that every man's work shall be made manifest. It's going to be open. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by what? Fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, there are a lot of people that have wondered what could that fire be? You know, that's uh, it's going to try every man's work. I believe that it could be the Word of God. You know, the Bible in many instances speaks about the Word of God as being a fire. Oh, yes, Jeremiah. Have a read of Jeremiah. You'll read it in there. Could be the Word of God. But we know that our works are going to be judged one day. So not only do our, we have to pay attention to our walk and our works, but thirdly, we see this in verse um Verse 2 and 3, we see that we have to pay attention to our words, okay? And I'm preaching here to myself this morning, 
not just to you, but I'm preaching here to myself and how I need this, just like we all do. It says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness. And then it says, and speaketh the truth in his heart. And God here is speaking about integrity. Do you know that God, he is a God of integrity? If he wasn't, then we can't have 100% confidence that what we have in our Bibles is the 100% true word of God. If he's, not, if he's not going to keep his word, then God doesn't keep his integrity. But he is a God of integrity. And he wants that which is spoken to be from the heart. But he wants to be spoken in truth. He's speaking about his integrity. I wonder if you know this. Do you know that your tongue is actually connected to your heart? you know that? You know, the Bible says that what comes out of a man's heart will come out of the mouth. Let's just have a read. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12. Whatever is in your heart, it's going to come out of the mouth. Matthew 12, verse 34. And the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to these religious uh, Pharisees, he says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? How can, how can it be? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Whatever the heart is full of, it's going to come out of the mouth. It's just natural. It's the way it's going to come. Jesus says that. That's the way. And then he says, A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. And verse 36, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. That is a solemn passage of Scripture. But it's true. Out of the abundance of what's in your heart is going to come out of the mouth. You're going to speak it. You know, the Bible says that out of our mouths can flow blessings, but it can also come out cursings as well. I don't know if you've ever drunk uh, maybe a glass of what you thought was maybe water, and maybe somebody by mistake has put some uh, salt in it. You taste that water, and I tell you, what you want to do is you want to throw it out of your mouth as quick as possible. What you want is something that's pure. You want clean water, and that's what God wants to be in our hearts. James 3 and verse 8. Let's have a look. James 3 and verse 8. What a, what a book. The book of James is really puts us in our place, this book. Chapter 3 and verse 8 says this, that the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we, God, speaking about Christians, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed of blessing and cursing. And then he says, my brethren, you Christians, these things ought not so to be. But for fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter. No, can't. It shouldn't. How was it this morning with us? 
that which comes out of our mouth. Have you heard of the word back, um, backbiting? You know what backbiting is? Backbiting is basically talking about somebody who's absent from your presence, speaking down about them. You know, Psalm 15 and verse 3 says, He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. That's the one that's going to be associating with God. How is it this morning with us? How is the tongue? Do we need to examine ourselves? We do. I do. Every day. You do as well. We need to examine ourselves. I wonder how many times, in, even in this last week, have we let slip? How many? Let's be careful. Let's, may we let Psalm 19 and verse 14 be our prayer. <clears throat> Psalm 19 and verse 14. And um, it says here, wonderful uh, chapter this about the creation. But it says in verse 14, it says, Let the words of my mouth, there's a prayer here, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Can you see the connection again with the heart and the mouth? And he's saying, let those words that come out of my mouth, let the meditations of my heart, may let them be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. May that be our prayer as we seek association with God. One last um, point this morning, Psalm 15, we see that it starts with two questions. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And we can see in verse 5, at the end of the verse, we can see here that the answer is sealed. It says, he that doeth these things. Which things? Well, there are quite a few things in chapter 15, but amongst those will be walking, working, and those words. We need to pay attention to those three areas, yeah? And if we can do that, the Bible says here, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. What a wonderful promise that God gives to you this morning. Let's have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you. For your precious word, we thank you, dear Lord, that it's as precious and as relevant as the day it was written as it is today. And dear Lord, if there is one here this morning that has no association with you, that doesn't know the new birth, has never been born again, whether they are a child or an adult, Lord, we pray that they would come to Jesus today without delay and be born again. And dear Lord, if we are a Christian, Lord, help us to examine ourselves. Help us to examine, Lord, our, our walk and our works and those words that come out of our mouth. Lord, we pray that you will cleanse us. And Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that does that cleansing for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.